أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So um, which surah are we doing again? Surah Al-Fatiha and um, why are we doing Surah Al-Fatiha? Because it's the key to the Quran One of the most important because Salah without it is not accepted and it's short and sweet for, you know, it's easy bad, right? Um, at the same time, it's short, but you see how many lessons there are in it? Like we've been talking for it for now three weeks, right? This is our third week. Endless. It's like an ocean, just this surah itself. And I was just telling you, I've been studying this surah for the past 15 years. Every time I study the surah, I learn something new. And it amazes me more and more. And I, I'm sure it's going to continue till, till uh, the day I die. You can never say that you know the surah completely, okay? So, um, just to do like a quick recap, we talked about Bismillah Rahman Rahim, and very quickly, what did it mean? It meant, when you say Bismillah and you do anything in your life, Allah will help you in that, right? Allah will make it easy for you, Allah will bless it, right? Um, that's why we need to say Bismillah, basically. And if you remember the Prophet ﷺ, he couldn't read or write, right? And Jibreel came to him and said, Iqra. What did he say? Ma ana biqara. I can't read or write. But then he said, Iqra bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq. And then he started reading, right? After three times. So, Bismillah is like a secret. Also, Bismillah, I forgot to mention, is you know how, like, um, or I, we talked about it last time, and everything you do can become ibadah, remember? Like you playing football can become ibadah by saying what? By saying Bismillah. We said that, right? You doing your exam, by saying Bismillah, you connect with Allah. You, um, I don't know, sleeping, Bismillah, your sleep becomes ibadah. So ibadah is like, can be for everything in your life. Yani. But what's the key to dial into Allah and make a connection with Him? Bismillah, okay. So Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim And then Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, we said it means... Um, that's how it starts, right? Being thankful, being grateful. What's the opposite of being grateful? Complaining all the time. I don't have this. How come I don't have this? How come they have this? Being negative all the time. Okay? Um, if I was to ask you, fill in the blank, okay? Life is... Okay, short. Test. One word, so happy. Wow, nice. Life is unfair. unfair. Very good. Some people might say tough. Life is tough, or life sucks, or life is boring. Are these Alhamdulillah statements or negative statements? Negative, negative statements. And you know what? You want to hear something crazy? If you believe that life is unfair, guess what your life is going to be? Unfair. If you believe that life sucks, guess how your life is going to be? It's going to suck. If you believe that life is tough, your life is going to be tough. But so on the other side, if you believe life is beautiful, you're going to have a beautiful life. If you believe life is happy, you're going to have a happy life. If you believe life is fair, life is going to be fair with you. If you say life is fun, you're going to have fun. If you say life is long, inshallah, you're going to have a long life. <laughs> really, that's, that's how important this mindset is. Right? And that's the first thing that Allah starts with, what your mindset should be. But even you guys as young people, Young men, hatta you're not boys now, you're men. Okay, you need to from now always have a positive mindset about everything in life, about um, like with me and my daughters. Like one word that is not allowed is I can't. Never ever say I can't. Okay, or it's tough, or I don't know. But these words are negative words. There's always possibility. You can always learn something. Like they say, صح? if something difficult, what do you need to do to perfect it? Practice. practice makes perfect, right? You practice something, 
you do it for a thousand times, it's going to become super easy. صح? In the beginning, it becomes difficult. So, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, this should be like your, um, whenever you say it in Fatiha in your Salah 17 times a day, you're fixing your mindset. You're becoming positive. You're becoming someone who is always positive about everything in life. Okay? You're never sad, never upset, never angry. And then we talked about the journey of someone who's not a Muslim. Did we talk about this last time? Yeah? So how do, what does it start? It starts with kafir, right? Kafir. What does a kafir mean? Someone who doesn't believe in God, but also what else? A kafir is someone who is not grateful, someone who is not thankful. Remember I said kufr means to take a seed and to bury it under the ground? Yeah. So there is, there is a blessing. There, is, there are gifts that Allah has given you, but you're denying it, you're covering it. You're pretending it's not there, you're, you're not admitting it. Yeah. Okay? So that's what a kafir is, someone who denies Allah's favors. Um, you know Surah Al-Rahman? You guys heard of surah in the Quran called Surah Al-Rahman? It's a very beautiful surah. In it, Allah repeats one ayah 31 times. And that ayah is, فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ Which of the favors of Allah do you deny? He repeats it how many times? 31 times. Why? Because Allah is talking to these people who are ungrateful. If I was to tell you to take out a piece of paper and start writing down all the gifts Allah has given you, would you, would you be able to stop? You can't stop, right? If you write about your eyes, your ears, your nose, your hands, your heart, your every single thing, your digestive system, صح? your fingers, the ability to write, the ability to read, the ability to run, score goals, صح? endless favors. And Allah says in the Quran, وَإِن تُعِدُّوا نَعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُوهَا If you were to even try to count one favor of Allah, like count its benefits, you will not be able to. لا تحصوها. You will never be able to count its benefits. But that's what we're learning about, alhamdulillah. Okay? And this idea that يعني, for even someone who is non, a non-Muslim, what's the first step to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's to be grateful, to be, to be thankful. يعني, someone who doesn't believe in Allah, you know what he's going to think? He's going to think, wait a second, I have ears, I have an eye, I have eyes, I have a heart that's beating, and I have a nice job. I have family, I have kids. Who's giving me all of this stuff? Where is it coming from? Who's making sure I'm getting a promotion every other year? Fa this question, is it a, log a logical question? Or la la? It's very logical, so if someone keeps giving you favors. Imagine you wake up in the morning and someone, like someone left a gift wrapped for you. What's the first question that's going to come to mind? La, the first question is, what is this gift? <laughs> and uh, you, you open it, it's like a new, um, I don't know, Adidas shoes or something. Next, next question is what? Who gave me this gift? It's very natural. You know, do, we, do you need to be a Muslim that knows Quran to ask this question? No, any human being can ask this question. This is like bil fitra, it's like human nature, you ask this question. And so, this person who's going to start questioning, He's going to look around, he's going to see the birds, he's going to see the mountains, the skies, the stars, the sun, the moon. What's the next question that's going to come up? Who created all of this around me? Who's giving me all these gifts? Who's created everything around me? Then another question that comes up is, do I deserve all of this? Right? Imagine you get a gift tomorrow and then a gift and you wake up in the morning you get another gift then you wake up on Friday you have three gifts and five gifts and ten gifts what if you keep getting gifts what what are you going to start asking then who gave you the gift that we that's that's done very good why am I why do I keep getting these gifts right you're going to wonder like what's so special about me because we don't, I mean, what, what special thing did you do, Annie, to deserve all these things? Right? So the next logical question is, why am I getting all these gifts? Who's giving me these gifts? Why do I keep getting these gifts? I'm not doing anything special. I'm actually messed up. 
right? I'm not even praying. I'm not even reading Quran the way I'm supposed to. Maybe I'm lying. Maybe I'm cheating. Maybe I'm bad to people around me. But what? I still keep getting gift, right? So this also makes you think then that this creation, this creator that's giving you these gifts. Why is he giving you these gifts? Yeah. Okay. Become a better person. Yeah. And be before this, why is he giving you these gifts? Why does someone give you gifts? No, before that. When do you give a gift to someone? To express what? To express your? Yeah, what feeling? Yeah, what kind of feelings do you have to someone that you give gifts to? Love. Very good. Love. Okay. So, the first thing that Allah wants us to realize is, listen, you have to admit that you're getting endless gifts that you don't deserve, that Allah doesn't owe you. Why? So that you can start loving Him back. Okay. What are His signs that He loves you? The gifts that you've given. All of the things that you have, your life is a gift, by the way. Right? The fact that you were created, you're alive, that's a gift in itself. So for you, you need to yani, realize that Allah loves you, and therefore, what do you need to do back? Love Him back. Now, if like, let's say my mother buys me a new t-shirt or something, right? For my birthday or something. Why is she doing that? Because she expresses her love for me, right? Now, if it's her birthday, what do I need to do? Buy something back, right? If I don't, then that means... How will she feel? Why? Yeah, yeah. Imagine you forget that's her birthday. That's also bad, right? But what's worse is you know it's her birthday, but you don't give her anything. And of course, do we only give uh, gifts to our parents in, our, in their birthdays? Uh, whenever, right? The Prophet said, Tahadu tahabu. Yani you wanna, whenever you exchange gifts, you actually love one another. So, Allah gave you all these gifts. Now, He expects something in return, right? Can we give Him equivalent to what He's given us ever? What can we give him back, Aslan? He's given you a heart. What can you give him back? Yeah. So you can't give back. He gave, he gave you two eyes. What can you pay back? Nothing, right? It's priceless. You can't. You can't pay back Allah, basically. Let alone Allah, you can't pay back your parents for their favors on you. Okay. But what can you do is, like you said, Suleiman, very good. So salah is one of the things, but in general, let's call this being Allah's uh, slave, accepting Allah as your master, right? Remember, what's the summary of the entire Qur'an? Yeah, accept Allah as your master and accept as yourself as, your, as his slave. That's the, that's the biggest thing you can do for Allah. That's what he wants, right? He wants you to give your life to him. And why does he want to do that? Is he like, astaghfirullah, is he selfish? Does he like to be your boss or something? No, right? Who's, who's going to benefit when you give your life to him? You're going to benefit. Because you're under whose protection all the time? Under Allah's protection, right? Under who's, who's loving you? Your master's loving you. So remember, the master... Uh, slave relationship is not like the violent master-slave relationship, right? That we learn about in history. The the evil master, how does he treat his slave? Like really bad, right? Unfairly, violence. Does the slave like his job usually? The slave who has an evil master, does he like his job? He has to do it because he's owned by the master, right? He has no he has no freedom of choice, right? And the moment he gets a chance to run away, is he going to run away? The slave that's, that's oppressed. Of course. Why? Because he hates his job. He hates his master. But he's helpless. What about our master? Does he force us to do anything? 
Do you have a freedom to choose to be his master or not to, to be his master? Yeah. Right? And that's what Iyaka Na'bud means, by the way. Iyaka Na'bud means, oh Allah, me, out of my own will, I, I choose to be your slave. Your parents can't force you. Your grandma can't force you. Nobody can force you to be a slave of Allah. In fact, if someone forces you to be a slave of Allah, is it good for you? If someone forces you to pray, someone forces you to read Quran, how are you going to feel about it? Are you going to like praying and reading Quran then? Why? Because you're not doing it because you want to. Exactly. You're not doing it because you want to. Okay? So Allah wants you to do it out of your own free will. So our, our master is different than the evil master. Our master loves us. He cares about us. He wants us to be successful and happy. He is constantly protecting us, taking care of us. And he's given us freedom of choice. And he's given us the GPS system. Remember the GPS system? What is that? What is it though? GPS. Yeah. Yeah, but what's the GPS for our, our life? The Quran, right? The Quran. So, now this non-Muslim, he says, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. He realizes that this master loves him so much. He's Rahman, he's Rahim. He's forgiving, right? We mess up, but he keeps forgiving us. And then he's Malik Yawmiddin. He realizes that life is a, it's not a game. It's, there's, life is not just for playing. It's, for, it's a test, right? There must be a purpose behind life. We're not just here to play video games and eat popcorn and watch movies and, and die, right? There's a purpose. Malik Yawmiddin. When you realize this, now you come to the statement where you admit ya allah you agree with your own free will this is the moment where you sign the deal did i talk about this last week signing the deal okay so let's talk about this so is now you talking to allah directly you guys have you studied in english third person and second person so third person is when you talk about someone who's not in the room صح? Khalid is a nice guy. Ahmed is a good football player. صح? Is, is Khalid and Ahmed in the room? So that, that, you call that third person. That's how Surah Al-Fatiha starts with. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Malik Yawmiddin. Okay? We're talking about Allah, but Allah is... We're not talking to Him directly. We're talking about Him. Right? What happens in Iyaka Na'bud wa Iyaka Nasta'in? Are we talking in third person? What are we talking in? Second person. First person is... Uh, or actually, it's, for, it's a mix of first and second. You're right. Because Iyaka Na'bud, we worship Him. What is Iyaka Na'bud? We worship Him? We worship you, which is second person. Okay? So we are talking to Allah directly, face to face. How come it changed? This is in the Quran, this is called iltifat. When Allah talks about something in third person, then he shifts to second person. Why is there an iltifat here now? In Iyaka Na'budu Iyaka Nasta'in. Any guesses? Number one? If it's why why did it shift from third person to second person now? How come we were talking about Allah, Alhamdulillah, Rahman, and all of a sudden, Ya Allah, we worship you. We seek your help. Okay, there's many reasons for this. Number one, you know how like when you're on a journey, you're on a journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and throughout the journey, what are you thinking about? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Rahman, Rahim, how merciful and kind and caring He is for you, how much He loves you. And then, and Malik Yawmiddin, how fair he's going to be on the Day of Judgment. When you keep thinking about Allah, you reach a level where, you guys know there's levels, right? There's Islam, Iman, and something called Ihsan. Okay? Islam is the basic level where you say, Ashhadun la ilaha illallah, Ashhadun Muhammad Rasulullah. Do you have to pray to be a Muslim? Technically, yani? Are there Muslims today who don't pray? Yeah. Are there Muslims who don't fast? Yes, so those are, those are, that's the Islam level, the basic level, okay, the lowest level. But then, you have something in your heart called Iman. This is what 
makes you want to pray, wants, makes you want to fast, makes you want to read Quran, right? That's called Iman, correct? Okay, that's a higher level than Islam. What's the highest level? Ihsan, okay, which is excellent. It's called excellence, all right? And what that is, is basically you worshipping Allah as if you see Him. Or as if He's seeing you directly, right? So, yani someone who has Iman, he's praying. But someone who has Ihsan, he's praying with what in mind? Not just Allah. Allah is watching you. Allah is right there in front of you. So you're talking to Him directly. What, who's going to have a better khushu'ah? Someone who just... Saying Alhamdulillah, Rahman, or someone who's, who's conscious that Allah is watching me and He's praying. Who's going to have a better quality prayer? The yes, the one who has Ihsan, right? So that's what Iyak and Abud is getting us to think about. That by the time you finish Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Rahman, Rahim, Malik, we should have reached a level of what now? Ihsan. Now you talk to Allah directly. And now is the time to sign on the contract. You know how like football players, they sign to join a new club or something. You're signing on what? On this master-slave relationship. And who's, is anyone forcing you to do that? No. And it's a one-on-one -on -one deal, right? Now, imagine you signed a deal with a club Let's say you got signed by Manchester United to play with them. They're paying you $30 million a year. But then next week you, you decide not to show up for practice. You stop going to their games. What's the club going to think about you? Yeah, they paid you all this money and all this. What are they going to start saying? Huh? For about, forget the money. How are they going to think about you as a person? You signed on a contract that you're going to play with them for like a season. How are you going to feel? They're going to be mad at you. Why? Because they signed you up, right? They paid so much money. They had expectations from you. Yeah, so like you betrayed their trust, right? You broke their trust. You're someone who doesn't value their trust. So now that's a deal where you sign with a football club. What's the deal we're signing with Allah? Yeah. So now if you say that, and how many times are you saying that? 17 times a day. And you've been saying that for the past, I don't know, 5, 10 years? But if someone doesn't live like a slave of Allah, then what does that make him? What are we doing with Allah then? Are we truthful? We're lying, right? To who are we lying? Allah. Is that, is that messed up? That's pretty messed up, yeah. So that's something we need to think about. Before you say it, you got to really understand its implications. And you know what's so amazing is that Allah told us, okay, sign on the deal, but I'll give you something in return. You know, like a handshake? Okay? Why do two people handshake on a contract? Like this football deal, right? You're shaking the hands with the manager of the club. Why? Why is that guy shaking hands with you? Why? Yeah, but why is there two people, and why are there two hands shaking? Because it's a two-way relationship, right? It's... Uh, I'm giving something in return for something. So uh, if, if it's a football player, what's the football player giving to the club? His skills, right? His talent, right? You're going to score goals for them. You're going to be a good defense player or football or, or goalkeeper or whatever. What are they giving you in return? Money. Very simple, right? So that's why two parties shake hands. Now with Allah also, it's not one way. It's two way. You, what's your commitment to Allah? What's his commitment to you? He's going to help you. you. You got it? Okay. So, on one hand, we're saying, Ya Allah, Iyaka On the other hand, we're saying, Ya Allah, 
we need your help. We need your, really need your help. And that's his promise. Right? His promise is to help us. Now, you know how like when you seek help, usually, um, let's say someone called you, your friend called you, he's like, Suleiman, I really need help. I really, really need your help. What are you going to ask? Yeah, help in what, right? What kind of help do you want? Do you need help with homework? Do you need help with, uh, I don't know, your parents or a video game, some problem? Now, means exactly that. Ya Allah, we desperately need your help. But there's a blank, right? It stops there. We don't say in what. Why don't we say in what? Very good, very good. So the, the, the full stop there means, Ya Allah, we don't have to fill in the blank. We need, we need your help in every single thing. Nasta'een also means that, Ya Allah, I'm not just sitting there eating popcorn and saying, Ya Allah, I need your help. Isti'ana means that you are also putting in the effort. Right? You're putting in some effort and then you're seeking help. Okay? Uh, I say, for example, you're driving across the road and you see someone with a flat tire. The guy's in his car. There's a flat tire. The guy's in his car. He's smoking his uh, vaping thing, right? Afunai shisha. He's smoking shisha. He's listening to songs. He has glasses on. He's not doing anything. You stop by. You see the flat tire. And he says, yeah, I need, I need help, please. Are you going to help? Are you going to help him? Why not? Yeah, he's chilling inside the car and he needs help. Like, what kind of guy is this, right? Doesn't make sense. At least he should be doing something and you help them. So similarly, isti'ana is, is what this means. It means you are doing your part, but you need Allah's help. And who's, like when you go to Umrah, who reminds you, who's supposed to remind you of this isti'ana? Which part of Umrah reminds you of isti'ana? Who? Yeah, but like something we do in Umrah. Yeah, but what, what part of Umrah? You guys been to Umrah? Or? No? Are you asking someone the, the answer to the question? <laughs> okay. Um, the Safa and Marwa. What's the story behind Safa and Marwa? Safa and Marwa? Okay, not yet. Okay. So what's Safa and Marwa? Yeah, two mountains and you go and Sa'i, right? It's called Sa'i, seven times. Who did that? Hajar, she was the wife of Ibrahim. She was the wife of Ibrahim. And what baby was in her hands? Who was her baby? Ismail. And what was the problem? Ismail was hungry. And they're in the middle of the desert. Ibrahim left them in the middle of the desert. There's nothing there. What does Hajar do? Does she just sit down and cry and make dua? Ya Allah, help me, help me, help me. What does she do? She, she, she puts some effort, right? And by the way, when you go up on an effort, like uh, she went up on Safa. Did she see anything? Did she see any water? Then she, she went to Marwa. She, she went up. Did she see any water? So logically, what's she supposed to do next? She, well, she goes in the middle and she sits down and she, she says, Ya Allah, I tried my best. I checked out Safa, nothing there. I checked out Marwa, nothing there. Stop. Khalas, sah? It's game over, Rani. She basically screened the whole entire region and she saw no, no water. Next thing is to make dua. Does she do that? What does she do? She keeps on going. Why? Yes, very good. She, she knows the secret formula. You know what the secret formula is? Allah's help will come, guaranteed. Right? It's only a matter of time. But what do I need to keep doing for Allah's help to come? Keep trying. Never, ever, ever stop and say it will come. No, you just keep trying, keep doing what you're doing, stay focused, 
and Allah's help will come. That's the formula. And she understood it. And that's why that's what we remember in, in Umrah. Why are we talking about Umrah now in Fatiha? Because that's what Iyaka Nasta'in means. Oh Allah, we need your help desperately, Allah, but we're going to try our best also. Okay, so that's the handshake deal with Allah that we make 17 times a day. Iyaka Na'bud wa Iyaka Nasta'in. And now, what's beautiful about Fatiha is then Allah teaches us what to ask for help. And like, you know, all of you have like, a, if I was to tell you, write down 10 top du'as that you want to ask for this Laylatul Qadr. All of you would have a list of things you want, right? But what does Allah want to be number one on the list? Like, you know, you have a priority, right? Top 10 list. What would number one be on the list? To meet Allah. Okay, close. Go to Jannah. Pray for Allah. It actually comes in the next ayah. What do we ask for? After Iyaka Na'bud wa Iyaka Nasta'in. So what is, what is number one on the list? Yeah, but in Ihdina Surat Al-Mustaqeem, what is the thing we're asking for? Ihdina. That's the dua we're making. Ihdina. What is Ihdina? From Hidayah, right? What is Hidayah? Guidance. What is guidance? It's the GPS system. Okay, it's having direction in life. Okay, um, and and Hidayah also means guidance to solve all our problems. Okay. Will we, will we have problems in life? Will we have challenges in life? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Otherwise, life is boring. Imagine if life had no challenges. It would be pretty boring, right? Just like any video game. When you play video games, do you have challenges or no? If, if your video game is very easy to play, is it going to be popular and are many people going to play it? No, right? What makes a video game exciting is the fact that it has challenges. So... <coughs> Guidance is not only something that shows you directions, it also is a solution to all your problems in life. All the challenges in life, you need Allah's guidance. And with Allah's guidance, will you be happy and will you have inner peace? Yes. Without His guidance? Problems, suffering, worry. Okay. Can we put our phones away, Yusuf? Yeah. Okay. okay. We ask Allah, اِهْدِنَا الصَّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ اِهْدِنَا الصَّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ And that's like the number one dua we're making. You know what Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah? Right after this Surah Al-Fatiha, what does Allah do? He answers our dua. By saying what? Alif Lam Meem ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ هُدًا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ The key word here is hudan. We ask for guidance. What did Allah say? Where is the guidance that you want? kitab. What's that kitab? Quran. Yeah. So if we want guidance, we need to go back to the Quran. Now if you say, Ya Allah, guide me, guide me, guide me, guide me, guide me. And the Quran is sitting there in your home and there's dust on it and you don't read it. What does that make you? What does that make us if we, if we don't read the Quran? We ask Allah for guidance, but we don't read the Quran. You're not trying, you're not serious. It's not going to help, right? It's like you asking someone for directions, show me how to get to Dubai, how do I get to Dubai, how do I get to Dubai? And the GPS system is right there in your car. But you're not using it. Right? So that's something also we need to think about. Surah Al-Fatiha is supposed to connect us with the Quran. It's supposed to be like a a motivation for us to learn the Qur'an and study the Qur'an. Because you guys, like what's the toughest subject in school? Arabic? You guys study chemistry yet? Math? Biology? How fat is the textbook of, of chemistry or biology? It's pretty fat, right? But are you still going to study it anyway? Why? 
because you have to, because you have to, because you want to pass, right? You want to pass, you want to go to the next grade. And you're going to keep doing this studying every year until you're 18 years old, and then you're going to go to college, you're going to graduate, go to college, صح? So you're going to be studying, studying, studying for passing this, like these grades and passing school, right? But you're telling Allah, اهدنا الصراط المستقيم, اهدنا الصراط المستقيم. For these 18 years you're saying this to him every day, 17 times a day. But you never read the Qur'an. Is that messed up? So when it comes to school books, we study them and we, we're like really good in studying and we want to get the A. But with Allah's book, we don't. Most people don't, right? Why? Let's talk about that. Why don't most people like have this curiosity to learn the Qur'an and study the Qur'an? And just like you have with the chemistry book. And, and why not? Hmm? Because they're not interested in it. Very good and honest answer. Why, why won't they be interested in it? They don't know the meaning of it. No, but if you're interested, you would find out the meaning, right? So I think the why wouldn't it, why wouldn't they have interest? Because it's boring, maybe. Yeah. So why don't people read the Quran? Yeah. Maybe it's like difficult to understand. Yeah. Maybe the Arabic is too difficult to understand. It's complicated. But I liked I like the first answer. They're not interested. Because you know what? When you're interested in something, you're going to do it, right? No matter how difficult, hard, complicated it is, you're going to figure out a way to do it, right? But the first thing that needs to be there is what? Interest. So if someone is saying, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ إِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ إِهْدَنَا الصَّلَاةَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ إِهْدَنَا الصَّلَاةَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ إِهْدَنَا الصَّلَاةَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ Ya Allah, help me, help me. I need guidance, guidance, guidance. And Allah said, that, that book's your guidance. And you don't have interest. So you're saying something, but you don't have interest in it. You see, that, that's like, that's pretty messed up. Because you're kidding. Who are you trying to... Kid, who are you lying to? Allah, right? It's pretty serious, man. So, um, we need to have like, you need, you need to think about, every single one of you needs to think about this, uh, this idea of hidayah. Do you really want guidance in your life? Or do you think you're going to get guidance yourself? Right? And this brings us to the three groups. Let's bring us to the three groups now. Pay attention, okay? So there's three groups in Surah Al-Fatiha. Who knows what they are? Three groups of people. Surat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim. That's one group. Ghayr al-Maghdubi alayhim. Second group. Al-Dalleen are third group. Okay. How many are good groups of these three and how many are bad? Three are good and two are bad? There's three in total. So how many would be good, how many would be bad? What about, okay, let's look at it one by one. We're telling Allah, Ya Allah, show me the straight path. Which path? The path of those. Does it sound good? Yeah? So, غير المغضوبي شو معنات غير not from those who مغضوبي عليهم ولا الضالين and not from those who are ضالين so are these last two groups good or bad bad so there's one good group two bad groups okay so let's try to understand uh, each of these groups الذين أنعمت عليهم 
Why, why is it a good group? Because what does it mean? الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ And so we're saying اهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ And then we're describing that path. صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ I want to be Allah on that path of those who أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ What does أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ mean? And is this talking about group in the future or present or past? أَنْعَمْتَ is what? Past, right? So this usually, and the Mufassirun, they say that this is talking about the prophets, Sahaba, the companions, the, the really like the VIP people of Jannah. Okay? We're telling Allah, Ya Allah, we want to go on the same path as the path that they walked on. But Allah beautifully describes those people, Alladina an'amta alayhim. And an'amta comes from the root word, what? Who knows? Ni'mah. What is ni'mah? Huh, Sulaiman? What's ni'mah? Gifts, gifts, basically. Ni'mah is gifts, okay? Blessings that Allah gives you. When someone gives you a gift, how do you feel? Happy, right? So what does, what does na'im, you guys know what na'im means? Allah calls uh, paradise jannat and na'im. What does na'im mean? Na'im, listen to the word na'im. Constant gifts and constant happiness. That's what na'im means. So what does an'amta alayhim mean now? The path of gifts and happiness. That's the path that we want to walk on. And we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get us on that path. So what we're learning here is that al-anbiya and the sahaba, were they, were they happy people? Yes, they were happy people. Okay, and they, their path, they were, they were enjoying. Did they have challenges, by the way, in their life? Yeah. There, there, there were a lot of challenges. Some of them had to go to war. They had to, some of them were died. Some of them died in the path of Allah, didn't they? Yeah. But they enjoyed the path because they were, work, they were on a journey to where? To Jannah, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, that's the sirat. That journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these an'amta'alim are people who are enjoying that path. And you know why they're enjoying that path? Because they were honest with Allah. When they signed on the deal, what was the deal? They signed on the deal and they were honest. They actually did it. They tried their best to get guidance from where? From the Quran. And they tried to live by that guidance. This was like the number one priority in their life. Hidayah and guidance was the number one priority in their life. But these are الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ These are the, this is the path of those people. Okay? So, to summarize this, أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ means two things. One, you know who Allah is. Right? And, and the first three ayat of Surah Al-Fatiha tell us who Allah is, right? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Malik Yawmiddin. Now that you know Allah, what do you have to do now? Sign and accept and live by that statement, right? Live by it. So you have knowledge and then what do you do? Act upon it, right? You have knowledge and you act upon it. So like, yani you have knowledge that um, there is... There's a fire in this house. What's the next thing you need to do? Get out of the house, right? Is knowledge alone enough? If knowledge alone is not, if, if you have knowledge that there's a fire in the building, but you don't go out, what does that make you? Stupid, stupid right? You're stupid. And who do you blame then? You can't blame the fire for this, right? You already had knowledge. فَأَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ Those people, what did they do? They had knowledge and what did they do with that knowledge? They acted upon it. Okay, They acted upon it. Very good. غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَالضَّالِينَ Let's talk about these two groups now. What does, what does مَغْضُوب mean? From غَضَب. What is غَضَب? Anger. Okay. They're angered upon. 
They've earned anger. Does, does Allah say that Allah is angry with them, by the way, in this ayah? No, Allah didn't say, غَيْرَ الَّذِينَ غَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ What does Allah say? He uses صِيغَةِ الْمَجْهُولِ It's called. مَغْضُوب means they were angered upon. They, were, they earned someone's anger, right? So who, who, who is Allah talking about here? Who are these maghdubi alayhim? First of all, what we're learning here is that everyone's going to be angry with this group of people. Okay? The angels, the, the, all sorts of people, their friends, their families, they're all going to be angry with these people. Why did they earn anger? And by the way, Allah doesn't mention Himself because Allah does that in the Quran. Allah never associates Himself with negative feelings. So He kept it in the passive form. Okay, maghdubi alayhim. But why, why maghdubi alayhim? Because they had knowledge, but they, but they didn't act upon it. Very simple. Okay. And, uh, and which group of people did that, by the way, from, from the time of the Prophet ﷺ? There's two groups who did that. Who can tell me? Who were people who were maghdubi alayhim during the time of the Prophet? Think about it. Yeah, the kuffar of Quraysh, yeah. Some of them, they rejected the Prophet's message. Although they knew that he was the messenger, he, they knew the Quran was the word of Allah, but they rejected it anyway. And there's another group in Medina. Al Yahud, yeah, very good. Because, and not just any Yahud, the scholars of Yahud, the rabbis. Why? Because they knew Torah, right? Their book, Torah. They knew it inside out. They were very like learned people. They were people who understood the book. And in their book, what did it mention? That a prophet will come. His name will be Ahmed. You know, another name for Muhammad. And all the signs and everything. So they were waiting for this prophet. But when he came, he came from the children of Ismail, not from the children of Ishaq. The Jews, just so you know, the Jews, they all come from the, under the lineage of Ishaq. Okay? But Banu Ismail, Muhammad Sallallahu was from Banu Ismail. He was from the children of Ismail. So he was from like the Arabs. So why did the Jews reject him? Why did the scholars of the Jews and the rabbis of the Jews reject? The same lineage. The same lineage, okay? So, now we have two groups. They both rejected this message. They had knowledge. They had knowledge. But they didn't act upon it. So they're both maghdubi alayhim. Why are they maghdubi alayhim? Let's try, let's try to understand what's going on in their hearts and their minds. It's, it's one problem they have, both. One problem. They don't want to show that. They were famous and they had money and they're popular. Exactly. Yes. So what, what's that called? What's the opposite of being a slave? Yeah, being a master of yourself, right? What's that called? Yeah, what's, there's a word for that though. Selfish. Arrogant. Pride, being proud of yourself. In Arabic it's called takabur. Isn't this the thing that kicked, got Iblis out of Jannah also? Right, Shaitan, Iblis. Was he a good guy once upon a time? Yeah, once upon a time he was a really good guy. But after the command of Allah to do sajda, what did he do? He disobeyed Allah. Okay? Was he a slave of Allah? No, because remember, to be a slave of Allah, you have to obey Allah, right? You can't say, Allah, I'm, uh, but you're disobeying Him. صح? 
So Allah commanded him to do something, he didn't do it. And then he justified it, right? What did he say? خَلَقْتَنِي مِن نَارٍ وَخَلَقْتَهُ مِن طِينٍ Right? I am better than him. He's, he literally said this. أَنَا خَيْرٌ مِنْ I, why should I do, Basically what he's saying is, why should I do sajda to him? I'm better than him. Fa, this is a sign of arrogance when you think you're better than others. And you cannot be arrogant and a slave. It's impossible. You can't be a slave of Allah and have arrogance. That's why I think I, think I told you last week that there's a hadith of the Prophet where he says that whoever has an ounce or an atom's weight of arrogance, will he enter Jannah? He can't enter Jannah. Now you understand why? Because when you're a slave, you're the opposite of being proud. You're humble. Right? You're someone who has humility. Okay? You're not showing off all the time. You don't think you're better than others. You don't think you're smarter than others. Um, you know, if you're someone who always likes to win in your football matches and you hate it when you lose, that's a sign of what? It's a sign of arrogance. Because you can't stand losing. You can't stand seeing someone else beat you. Yeah, because you hate losing. So if you hate losing, that's a sign of arrogance. You should be okay with losing. Uh, did the Sahaba lose one of their battles? Yeah, yeah which one? Ahad, right? So Allah taught them also to be humble even in battles. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Um, also, when someone comes and gives you advice, if you get upset, that's a sign of what? Arrogance. If someone says, you know, Sleiman, you know, I think, uh, you know, you need to be good with your mother. I don't think you're doing a good job. If you get upset, that's a sign of arrogance because you, you think you're perfect. And you can't stand someone coming and telling you what to do. That's a sign of arrogance. Another sign of arrogance is when you have stuff like a car or a house or this and you feel that you're better than others. It's another sign of arrogance. So all of this is ego, ego, ego. Quraysh, for them, that ego was what? They were the chief custodians of the Kaaba. They had like a very high status in society. They had a lot of money coming in. Because you know, when, when, with Hajj and stuff, people come in and they do shopping, right? So they had the keys to the Kaaba. They were pretty wealthy. But Rasulullah his message was about equality. Everyone's equal. And his message was about no more cheating in business. No more corruption. So th did they like this deal? No, Quraysh didn't like this deal, right? Most of them. So they rejected it because their ego was a problem, right? And ego also has to deal with uh, what's known as shahawat. Okay? You know what shahawat is? Desires. When you have desires. When you have desires. Like Allah has given us, built in us desires. The desire for eating, sleeping. Uh, the de desire for the opposite gender, right? When you get married, that's a desire we have, right? There's this desire to have a house, desire to have a family, desire to have money. That's a built-in desire, okay? But sometimes when you put your desires above Allah, what happens? That becomes pride, right? When you put money and everything above Allah. Allah says, fine, these desires are there, control them, but put who, who should be number one in your life? Allah. And what do we say? What does the Mu'adhan say when the, it's the time for Adhan? Allahu Akbar. What does that mean? Allah is greater than everything in your life. Allah is bigger than everything in your life. Think about it. How many times do we say Allahu Akbar in Salah? Many times, right? A lot, like at least 20, 30 times. Right? So, why, why does Allah make us repeat Allahu Akbar Allah? To remind us Allah is greater than, than my shahawat. I have desires. I want money. I want to get married. I want to have a house and kids and car and everything. And I want to get good grades. But who is bigger? Allah. When you make your shahawat bigger than Allah, then you reject this message basically. And that's what Kufar Quraysh did. That's what the Jews did also of, of uh, Ben Israel, right? The rabbis. What did they do? They rejected the message. Why? Because for them, lineage was bigger than Allah. Right? They had an ego issue. They had a pride issue. 
we are the chosen people. We are the children of Israel. We are the descendants of Ishaq. We're not going to follow the descendants of Ismail, these Arabs. And they used to call them Ummiyin. We're not going to follow these unlettered people, people who can't read or write. Because they were, they were proud of their knowledge. But they had a lot of knowledge. They were very smart people. They, they really were intellectual people. But they didn't have action. They didn't act upon the knowledge because of arrogance. Okay? So you see how dangerous arrogance is? It earns you al-maghdubi alayhim. Allah will be angry with you, his angels will be angry with you, and you will like and when Allah is angry with you, by the way, how's your life gonna be? Happy or messed up? Messed up. Okay. You wanna be from Alladin and Amtalihim. Right? We have one minute. You wanna know what Dalin is now? Yeah, okay, so Isa Islam is is close to that. But by the way, before getting into Dalin, can can uh, does this mean that Maghdubi alayhim is only limited to Kuffar Quraysh and the Jews of Mecca? Who can become Maghdubi alayhim now? Can Muslims become Maghdubi alayhim? How? So are there Muslims who don't pray? Every Muslim who doesn't pray, is he a slave of Allah? But he has knowledge of Allah, right? They have knowledge but no action. That makes you what? Maghdub alayhim. So basically, if you claim to be a Muslim but you don't obey Allah, then you are maghdub alayhim. Because for obeying Allah, what do you have to break? Your pride and your shahawat. Right? It's time to pray. Khalas, prayer is number one. I'm going to leave every, all my shahawat. You have shahawat to play video games, shahawat to watch movies, shahawat to watch the match. But when it's time for prayer, obedience is, is bigger, right? So obedience really is the key word here. If you have knowledge of Allah but you don't obey Allah, then you are maghdub alayhim. If you have knowledge of Allah and you obey Allah, you are from alladhin amta alayhim. And by the way, um, Iblis, did he obey Allah or no? When he told him to do sajda. So imagine Iblis, just by his disobedience, he became what? A kafir. He disbelieved in Allah. Because you didn't obey him. Right? So if you claim to be a slave of Allah but you don't obey him, that's it's a serious problem. Now Adam salam, did he disobey Allah? Yeah. But what's the difference between Adam's Adam and Hawa's disobedience and Iblis's disobedience? Again, again? But who, can Adam and Hawa blame Iblis for their disobedience? No, they can't. You know what the difference is? Very simple. And we'll end with this, inshallah. Okay? Adam and Hawa, when they did the mistake, they, didn't, they felt bad, they felt guilty. And then Allah taught them to make a dua. A dua basically of istighfar or tawbah, right? What is tawbah? When you say sorry to Allah. When do you say sorry to Allah? When you... When you admit your mistake, when you accept responsibility for your mistakes. That's what Adam and Hawa did. That's why they were still safe. They were still believers. So, what about Iblis? Did he say sorry to Allah? Why? Because he had, what in his heart? Pride and arrogance. Because it's impossible for you to say sorry if you have pride. Right? You, if you do some, some, something wrong to your parents, you have to break your arrogance and say, sorry, I, I made a mistake. I admit it. I'm sorry. Is it easy to say sorry? If you find it difficult to say sorry, that means there's also ego issue, arrogance in your heart. Yeah. Okay? 
that's the difference. Obedience to Allah, and when you disobey Allah, admit your mistake and say sorry. If you disobey Allah and you don't say sorry, and you put your shahawat above everything else, then that's maghdubi alayhim. Dalleen are basically lost people. We'll talk about them next week, inshallah. La next week is the last, uh, last week, right? Okay. So we'll talk about Dalleen next week, and then I'll do a, like an overall summary of Surah Al-Fatiha, inshallah. Any questions? All right, so I'll see you, inshallah, next week. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.